Genesis, a design-focused luxury automotive brand that embodies the philosophy of athletic elegance. Choose from the award-winning G70 Sports Sedan, the midsize luxury sedan G80, JD Power's most dependable midsize premium car two years running, or the flagship G90 full-size luxury sedan. Genesis is also redefining what a modern luxury SUV should be with the all-electric GV60, the award-winning GV70, and the luxurious GV80. Genesis vehicles provide simple elegance, athleticism, and sophistication, ranking the highest among all premium automotive brands in the JD Power U.S. Initial Quality Study. Start defining your future. This is Genesis. Check out Genesis.com for more information. It's that time again. Time to catch up with family. Time to share that home cooking that you've been craving. And yes, time to update your COVID vaccine. Updated vaccines that protect against the original COVID virus and Omicron. They're here just in time to make those family gatherings safer and extra special. Schedule your free vaccine today. Find updated COVID vaccines for everyone five and over at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dear Asian Americans. I am your host, Jerry Wan, and I'm so glad that you're here. This is episode 174, and we have one of the most important and, dare I say, my my favorite guest in our uh, show's history. We have Vice President Kamala Harris on the show. What an honor to be invited to share some time with her amidst her extremely busy campaign schedule and just I'm still in disbelief that we were able to pull this off. Uh, It required us taking a trip up to Seattle from Los Angeles with 48 hours notice and to assemble a team to uh, get the audio and the video of the of the interview. And I just want to say how cool this is. I started this show for, as many of you know, back in March of 2020. And at the time, we did not have an Asian American vice president. It was in the former administration. And so to think that within two and a half years of us launching the show that we would have our very first vice president of Asian American descent, of Asian descent in this country on our show is a thought that I didn't even know was possible. And so it meant so much to me. And I know that it has meant so much to you already uh, from all the DMs and messages that I've received from friends and followers across our platforms. Just really, really excited to share this with you. If you're new to our show, welcome. Uh, We share Asian American stories of all backgrounds and of all types here on the show. If you are new and you want to check out what some of the other shows may sound like, uh, we encourage you to go to DearAsianAmericans.com. Follow us along on at DearAsianAmericans on Instagram and listen to some of the other episodes that we have. Uh, We have 173 that you can listen to. Big shout out to the Vice President's press team, Kirsten Allen and Ernie Apreza for making this interview a reality. To Catherine Cheng, Chase Gallagher, and the rest of the logistics team on the ground in Seattle. And to our production team, the amazing Gloria Wang Schaber, Q Lee, and Ellis Haas for making this an amazing experience for all of us with very short notice. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, you'll notice that this interview is a little shorter. We just go through the questions one after the other. And that was done to maximize the time that we had with her um, and the precious time that we had. And so I am so excited and so humbled, so honored to be able to share my conversation with our Vice President of the United States. Kamala Harris. I want to thank you for making time for us. And in particular, thanks to your entire team and the literally dozens of people who made this interview possible. Uh, it means a lot. Thank uh, you. Personally and professionally. And so thank you. Um, you just hosted fellow South Asians yep. both at your residence mm-hmm. and at the White House yes. uh, to celebrate the Bali. Yes. Um, how did that happen? How did well, how was that for you? And what do you remember most about that? Uh, it was so special. I mean, 
this is the first year since we've been in office that we don't have the COVID restrictions, right? So it was the first time. I mean, only last year we couldn't do it, and this year. Um, but opening my home to celebrate one of the holidays that I have such fond memories about as a child. You know, we would um, go back to India every other year growing up and usually go back around the season because also, we, you know, avoiding monsoon season. Anybody who goes travel station knows what I'm talking about. And, um, and it was just the most wonderful tradition of family, of, of celebration and, you know, food. and But also... The, the poignant point about Diwali is it's a very universal concept shared by so many cultures, which is the importance of, of fighting the darkness with light, right? right? And so it's about, um, it's about enlightenment over ignorance. It's about good over evil. It's about, you know, bringing the light to moments of darkness, which we still experience in our country. And, um, and also recognizing and reminding people of the light within themselves, right? That they have the power then and the duty to shed on moments of darkness. Yeah. I got a glimpse of it uh, from our friends Zareen and Cal Penn yes, who were there yes. and sharing all through Instagram and social media. And, and I could tell that it meant obviously something extra special yeah. uh, to celebrate it with you yeah. and, and the, you know, the, uh, the importance of that. Yeah. Uh, and so happy final day of Diwali and Thank happy belated you. birthday to you, you as so well. Thank you so very much. Uh, lots to celebrate here you. today. Thank you. Um, briefly share with us your Asian American origin story for your family and, yeah. and how has that uh, helped you navigate uh, yeah. your career? So my mother came to the United States from India at the age of 19 by herself um, to study. She wanted to be a cancer researcher and she specialized in breast cancer. And, you know, the origin behind that is also how progressive my grandfather was. You know, my mother was the eldest. And as we know, in Asian cultures, birth order right, has a better. lot to do <laughs> with things. And, and he let his eldest daughter travel by herself to a, you know, transcontinental travel to a place she'd never been. And, um, and so, you know, I, I really do, there's so much about my experience in terms of my Indian background that is, is obviously informed through my family. And my grandfather was just this really progressive guy who was not, um, he, he, he taught us from my mother through me that we could be anything, do anything, and shouldn't let other people's limitations limit us. And so she came to the United States at 19. She was probably supposed to go. Well, I know she was supposed to go back and have a good arranged marriage, but she met my father and had a love marriage. Yeah. And, um, and, but she was a very, you know, proud of her culture and her background and, and taught it to us. Yeah. And, and then Maya and I were born. Yeah. You know, I think our parents always, you know, they, they bring us to this country with hopes of do anything you want. <laughs> and I think in your case, that's, you know, was that within even within the realm of possibility or even probability, right? When they said, do whatever you want for you to have this position. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, for the parents out there, keep yeah. uh, telling your kids that because you, we, none of us know what's mm -hmm. going to be possible. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you became VP, there was many headlines. Uh -huh. First dot, 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 yeah, right? First yeah, woman, yeah. first black person, yeah. first Asian American. Uh -huh. How did you balance what that meant for so many people like myself, mm -hmm. but also as, you know, uh, as a leader, 
You want to be known for what you do and what you can do. How do you balance that? It's a great question. Well, the first part of it is really um, my interpretation in terms of my experience of it is really almost entirely about my sense of duty, which is something we learn. Duty, right? It's not you don't. It's not about your choice. It's about your duty. It's not if you feel like it. It's your duty. And I was raised with a sense of duty. And on this point, then the duty that I have to, as my mother would say, you know, be the first but not the last, and what that means in terms of providing each step of the way an opportunity for others to to be on that path, but also enter that door, and hopefully I I widen the door. And that's mostly how I've experienced it, is with a sense of responsibility because of what it means. And and that gets to the second part of your point, which is, and so then, while here, um, to do something with this. So, for example, we're here today talking about, I'm, I'm here in Seattle today talking about unveiling work that I started back when I was in the Senate around rolling out electric school buses and what that will mean for 25 million children a day, but what it will mean for creating a new industry within the United States, a new building up the skills of a new workforce, and um, and the sustained impact that that is going to have it generationally, but in terms of our economy, in terms of our standing, in terms of our competitive, competitiveness as a nation. You are a mixed-race American, and our country is turning more that way. More of our families are mixed-race marriages, mixed-race children, mm-hmm. very multicultural. Uh, what message do you have to the student who looks around their classroom today, and they're the only one that looks like them? You are not alone, and don't ever feel that you are alone, and don't ever let the circumstances make you feel that you're alone. When you walk in those rooms, Know that you walk in those rooms carrying the voice of so many people who are proud of you and who are applauding you every step of the way. So you use that voice with the full force that you carry when you walk in that room. It's so important. Never feel that you are alone because you are not. The last two years have been challenging for all Americans, but particularly uh, for Black Americans and Asian Americans as we've had to Uh, face, read about, and even uh, just experience ourselves increases in hate incidents, racism, Mm -hmm. and feelings of being unwanted. Um, What have you learned about the love, the beauty, and the resilience of our communities during those two years? Well, there's there's a lot there. Um, I mean, the reality of it is that racism, xenophobia, um, anti-Semitism, these things are not new in this country. Just they're not. But the progress that we have made is because individuals, communities, and coalitions of people have been willing to stand up and fight against it. And so part of how I think about this issue is, one, I come at it from a very strong belief that no one should be made to fight alone. So an injustice against any one of us is an injustice against all of us. Therefore... When we see these crimes, when we see this hate speak occurring, everyone must stand up. And um, But I also think of it in the context of the experience that I had growing up and, and, uh, you know, experiencing that hate and knowing what that was and knowing how it can 
make people live in fear in a way that I think is intended to make people feel small and to make people feel insecure. And I refuse to let that happen to any one of us. And that gets back to the point of we are not alone and all people must stand up together when these kinds of injustices occur. As Attorney General of California for two terms, I published hate crimes reports. In California, people think of it as being such a progressive state. Well, um, when you look at the hate crime statistics, you will understand that it is a microcosm of the United States. And we see crimes against the API community. We see crimes against the black community. We see anti-Semitism, homophobia. It manifests in, in awful ways. I think the importance, though, here is, again, I can't emphasize enough, we can never be silent in the face of hate. Because then it's winning. Then the, the people who are spewing the hate are winning. They're winning if they make us silent. And I think that's one of the important um, points that has to be emphasized over and over again, because at the moment that it's happening, it's not necessarily how people feel. So on that note, it seems um, the country is divided on many issues. Um, how do you remain optimistic at a time where it's sometimes it's easy to feel a little less hopeful and mm -hmm. to disengage? How do you remain optimistic engaged? So, again, if you look at the history of our country, we go through moments like this. But we recover, we rebound, we, we progress because we who are optimistic and aspirational and patriotic are not willing to give up. You know, I often talk about what I believe to be the, the true nature of democracy, which is that I believe there's a duality to it. On the one hand, democracies are very strong, meaning that when a democracy is intact. It, it protects and defends individual rights, freedom, liberty, civil rights, human rights, equality. Um, it's strong in that way, in terms of what it does for the individual. On the other hand, democracies are very fragile. Our democracy will only be as strong as our willingness to fight for it. Or just to put it another way, don't let the haters win. <laughs> just, you know, we have to stand up and know again that I think true patriotism is about believing in the ideals of our country and fighting toward achieving those ideals. Well, that's the perfect segue to my final question, which is election day is in a week. Yes. What's the message to people who, again, may feel disengaged, that their voice doesn't matter, particularly communities of color, who sometimes often may have felt that they are unheard? What's your message to the Americans out there to get out and vote? So our communities of color, young voters, voted in record numbers in 2020. In the height of a pandemic, with you know, loss of life, of jobs, of normalcy, trying to, you know, get your kids educated online and figuring out the technology. 
with so many burdens on their lives, people turned out in record numbers in 2020. And they put in their order. That's how I think of it. And they said, I'm going to vote because I want to see my country deal with the issue of child poverty. And because people turned out in record numbers, we extended the child tax credit, which reduced poverty, child poverty in America by over 40%. People said, I want to see you support parents and people who are parenting children. And because they put that order in and voted in 2020, we created a tax cut for people who are parenting children, 8,000, up to $8,000 more in their pocket for the cost of food and medical supplies and school supplies. People put in their order and said, we want to see a judiciary that looks like America. And we have increased the number of AAPI representation on the federal courts, not to mention putting the first black woman on the United States Supreme Court. There, people put in their order and they said, we want to see you deal with the cost of insulin. Asians have a high rate of diabetes a very high rate of diabetes in terms of diagnosis as compared to many other populations. So we capped the cost of insulin at $35 a month. So many of our seniors were struggling to buy the prescription of insulin that they need to save their life versus paying for rent, paying for food. And we've now capped that cost at $35 a month. People put in their order in 2020 and things happened as a result. All of that to say, it matters when you vote. It matters. And when we're seeing such extremism, when we're seeing so-called leaders use their positions of power to engage in marginalizing communities, diminishing communities, um, we got to speak out. And one of the most effective ways to do that of the many is to vote. Don't let people silence you and don't let anyone take away your vote, which is what you'll be doing if you don't vote. You'll be letting them win. They who are trying to discourage your faith in these systems, they who are pushing the big lies are doing it with the intention, I believe, of turning you off on your belief that you can actually make a difference. Don't let them win. Don't let them win on that. You will make a difference, but you have to vote. Yeah, got to get loud, stay loud. That's exactly vote. right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And, I, and I want to commend your administration on working with our community and getting the messages out. Yeah. We've done work here on the podcast with your census, yeah. with uh, the vaccine campaign through HHS. And it matters that the voice, that the message comes out through uh, specific channels that resonate with specific communities. Um, I, I want to say thank you particularly for making time for the Asian Americans because I started this show in March of 2020 yeah. as a gift to my daughter. Um, I often think about this experience and leading up to it, thinking about, did I even think that this would be possible? Yeah. And the answer was no, because I don't know if I knew on March 2nd, 2020, that we would have an Asian American vice president. Yeah. And so here we are. Um, it's super, super cool for me, uh, for my kids mm. and for our audience. So thank you for what you do and what you mean to us. And I just want to say, though, that my success, your success, is based on people who, for years, believed in what was possible and paved the way. And one of the things that we know culturally and just in life is that we must always honor 
those who came before us who paved this way. And, and it is then now our duty to all of them to carry on and um, not waste this moment because that's, that's part of our legacy is, is inheriting the benefit of people who never rested, who never tired, who never gave up. So let's honor their legacy and do the same. It's what they expect. We're here because of them and our descendants will look up to us and hopefully thank us for all the things that we've done to make their lives better. That's right. Vice President Harris, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to the entire team for making this a reality. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Likewise. Patrick, I, I, I don't know what to say. I am I'm still speechless. Um, it's been five days since I actually was in Seattle recording this with the vice president. It felt like a blur. It felt like a quick second. It also felt like forever uh, going through it. Obviously, there was a lot of anxiety and nerves leading up to it, a lot of logistics that we were having to take care of. And just to be frank, in my mind is don't f this up whatever you know don't don't stumble too much don't stutter too much um i knew we were on limited time i knew you know that uh this gift that we had to share uh, her story was was uh such a rare and an amazing thing and so um what what did you think about the conversation that i had with the vice president i really enjoyed it i really you know i wasn't sure what how the conversation would go being, you know, in Indiana, obviously when you're recording this and I like that the message overall landed on kind of what the whole ethos of dear Asian Americans has been for you, which is use your voice. We can't stay silent and that you're not alone in the community that you're searching for. I really appreciated not only uh, the VP sharing her origin story or mother's origin story, but also her sense of duty that she talked about in that anecdote of being the first and not the last using her privilege and figuring out a way to provide those types of opportunities every step of the way for people in our community and all communities uh, as we're coming up. So I took a lot of hope away, not to just throw out a random cliche, but I feel like it made me very hopeful. Um, And I think especially because just having been able to work on the show with you, having listened to all of the episodes of the show, And just seeing your personal growth, I think that was the other takeaway that I had. Realizing, um, and for folks who have obviously gotten this far, hearing the emotion that you had at the end, and just, I felt like I could really feel that. And you talked about, like, this being our, like, something that we've all done. You know, I think you you can feel that through the words and the the emotion that you showed there near the end of the interview. And I just think it was amazing. You know, I I feel like I'm also speechless uh, and I wasn't even there. So, yeah, I just appreciate the fact that she gave you the time, gave the team the time to sit down and come on the show. But also that, you know, I think you rose to the moment. Honestly, I think it's one thing to meet the VP at at a luncheon or a dinner. And it's a completely other thing to sit across from her and be like, oh, dang, I got to ask her. I got to ask some questions and, and have a good interview here. So. I thought you did an amazing job. And I think the takeaway again is, you know, it's hopeful. Like there's, there's things on the way on the horizon that we're going to be able to do, you know, that are going to be boons for the community. So I'm excited about it. Uh, First of all, thank you. And two, if you want to see the emotions, 
This episode is on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. We haven't uploaded it in a year, maybe two. Uh, but this episode, by the time you hear us, should be on YouTube or in a couple of days. And so uh, just Google or just YouTube search Dears and Americans, Kamala Harris, and you should be able to find it. Um, and so I want to share a couple sort of, you know, how this leading up to the moment to give people some context of the before and the after. If you are um, and I thank you if you've stuck around to this part of the podcast episode, if you just wanted to hear the vice president and that who's Patrick, who's Jerry. Um, but anyway, thank you for sticking around. You know, we we had known about the opportunity for quite some time, uh, but as with all things that happen with an, a very important and busy person's schedule, uh, things take a little bit of time to materialize and to finalize. And so I got word on Sunday that this was a go, and Sundays are obviously a little bit difficult to plan logistics around. And so uh, all of Monday was spent planning for a trip from Los Angeles up to Seattle uh, with virtually 48 hours notice to put a production team together and to, um, in, in a secure facility nonetheless, um, to to put everything together. So it was, it was quite nerve wracking. There was no way that I was going to say no to this opportunity. So, you know, we did what we had to do and no no resource was was limited in making sure that this would be a top notch production and the opportunity would go uh, without a hitch, you know, so it, it was uh, wild. I, I think just, you know, you don't really have a lot of time to process what's going on. I had a little bit just sitting on the plane going up there thinking, holy moly, this is ridiculous. I can't quite tell anybody why I'm going to Seattle, but here I am. I took a video cue, uh, our, our video uh, producer, director of photography was on the plane with me. And just, you know, it was just ridiculous to think that, hey, we're going to film an interview with the vice president. This is ridiculous. I, I still can't believe it. You know, um, just one funny story is, we were able to get into the venue the day before. We had set up all of our cameras and lighting and angled it properly. And everything was, don't touch it. Don't mess it up. We'll just be back in the morning. And all we got to do is hit record. And and lo and behold, things don't work out that way. And, and you know, things that I learned, you know, because I don't, obviously, we don't get to record with dignitaries uh, every day. And so um, her team came in and said, hey, we need to put these flags, which was the flag of our country and uh, the flag of her office behind her when she uh, when she speaks. So, okay, cool. Except where we had set up everything, the ceiling was a little too low. And so the flags wouldn't fit. And so with 25 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, before she was supposed to walk in the room, they said, well, we got to move everything three feet this way. And when her team says we got to move everything three feet this way, it's not a suggestion. It is, we got to do it. And so a uh, big shout out to Q and Alice and to Gloria and to everybody who literally just dropped everything and moved furniture and moved everything so that when she walked in, we were just ready to go. And, and what you may not have heard in the episode is what happened after the interview. Um, a, a few things that were just so special to me. One, she took a photo with the entire team. You'll see that on our Instagram and our individual LinkedIn's and other places. If, if you've been following us for a while, you know I have an amazing soft spot for a business in Koreatown here in Los Angeles called Liwa Wedding. They make humbooks and wedding dresses, and through the pandemic, they survived making humbook masks. And so um, I know the vice president just had been in Korea uh, not too long ago, and I didn't get a chance to give it to it before, obviously. So I decided to give it to her today, and I said, hey, next time you go, we still have to wear masks. I don't know if we do, but got one for you and then for one for Doug. Um, and she was just so receptive and so grateful to us. Our audio engineer, Ellis, uh, he has two daughters, and one of his daughters drew something for the vice president. 
Um, and so he wanted to gift that to her. And when she when he showed that to her, she says, well, we have to take a photo to show her that dad actually met me. And so they took a selfie with her drawing, which was super special. And um, the night before, too, again, we had limited time to prepare. Uh, we drove all around Seattle and Bellevue buying up any copy I could find of both her memoir and her children's book. And so I wanted to gift that to my team for helping me out for for, for the production. And so uh, we gift, you know, she we asked her to sign those. Her, her team makes sure that that was taken care of. And so, you know, in, in what was probably, you know, 20 minutes of real time, a lot of things happened. And, you know, I, I, I think I, mean, I still get emotional thinking about it, and I probably will for a very long time, especially because we have video of it. Um, it's obvious that it means something to us, right? And I think it means something more to our South Asian friends, right? Because the resonance is there for me, but it's not there quite in the same way that it is for you know, our friend Simi or Nora or somebody who's a South Asian woman, right? Or even, you know, I have, we have neighborhood friends who just like Kamala is mixed race, black and Indian. And that resonance for them, I can't imagine because it's not my experience. But even for me, aside from obvious, the, the obvious cool factor of the vice president sitting across from me um, is the fact that she will forever be known as the first Asian American vice president. So Gloria, who who has been working with us for a long time with TDW stuff, is Chinese-American. Q is Korean-American. And Ellis is a tall white guy from Seattle, Washington. And seeing him react to what we were doing and get emotional with us and understanding what it meant for him, but also what it meant for us to capture that moment, like I, I can never forget that. And I think it's just, you know, we, we, we talk about representation and we we talk about what things mean for certain people, but it actually we forget because we live in silos that it means a lot for everybody. Because maybe for him, he can go back to his daughters and saying, I met the first woman president, vice president. And what would that mean for them? Right? And the book that we got, we were able to get them signed. And so just just an incredible experience of having it done. We promised each other, the vice president and I did, that this would not be our last interview together. And in the moment, I was just like stuttering because I was just like, I, I, I'll see you next time. Hopefully, this is not the last, I think I said. And then, you know, in the back <laughs> of my mind, I was like, dude, you should have said something cool like, next time, do it from the Oval Office. Or, or something. That would have been cool, right? Because it's like, you know... Sort of, you know, we, we hope that you become president one day. Um, would have been good. But what, yeah. what an experience. Just mine, I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, I, I've been, you know, I, I think the word that I use a lot in our previous episode um, was incredible. And I, it's still the same feeling. And if you listen to the episode 173 before this, and you were like, what the hell is Jerry hiding from us? It was this. Obviously, we couldn't share it until it happened. And even though I think it felt okay to share it, I wasn't asked not to share it. I always had this like, something could happen in the world where she needs to be, you know, uh, on a plane somewhere else. And if they're like, sorry, we gave it a good try. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I was supposed to interview the vice president and I'll live with that. Um, and, and finally, I will say the, the reason if we, if we take sort of 
how in the world is this happening? And roll it back a few steps. All this happened really because there's a person on her press team who believes in the amplification and the elevation of Asian American stories. So he sought me out. He's not Asian, by the way, but he believes in our community and our community's voice mattering so much that he pretty much single-handedly made this happen. He advocated for me to come to Vice President's residence six weeks ago for the event, made sure that I got FaceTime with her, made sure that she got excited for this, and made sure that I was on her schedule. And this was the second time we attempted this. We She was in LA a couple of weeks ago. We tried it then. Her schedule didn't work out. And so just the whole story is is so poetic for me and so perfect that it happened because of allyship. It happened because of somebody who's even not a member of our community. Um, it, it impacted even now. Um, you know, even before we aired the episode, I, I shared a photo of our interview on LinkedIn and Instagram. And just the feedback has been emotional in of itself. And so even though perhaps you were moved by the words that she spoke on our show today, maybe you were, uh, yeah, maybe that was what moved you. But I think just the fact that it happened is far greater than what was said. And I, I don't say that to take anything away from what she said, which were very important, inspiring words. Don't let the haters win, right? And your story matters. You belong. We stand as the manifestation of centuries of our ancestors. Those are all things that I will forever remember. But the fact that we made this happen, I think, is the coolest part. And so to every single one of you who are listening to me now, listening to us now, um, thank you. And if you've been friends with me for a while and this is the first episode you listen to, Part of me is like, what the hell took so long? But also, thank you and hope you stick around for other ones. Because um, this is what I've been doing for the last two and a half years. I guess the next question, though, Patrick, is how do you follow this up? <laughs> I was going to ask you the same question. Um, I was going to ask you the same question. Um, really quickly, though, as we <laughs> as we start to wrap up here and go to that point, I do just want to reiterate that I think... Again, yes, this this just happening in itself is monumental. And I think it, too, is not just a testament to the community, but a testament to the work that you've put in to this podcast. Um, I think that, you know, you we can't take lightly the conversations that you've had and the conversations that you've pushed to have that have led you down this path to be able to speak to the first Asian American vice president. You know, and again, just the fact that somebody from her team was like, we got to do this in some form or fashion and sought you out is is that testament to the work that you've done here on this podcast. And it goes way beyond that. You've done way more. And like we talked about on 173, doors opened because of the podcast. But and, and you've been able to do those things. But at the end of the day, like your heart, your soul, your passion and the what you what you hope your hopes and dreams for the community live and breathe in this show and i think it just goes to show that when you when you find something when you think you've found your calling not to shy away from it not to give in to the haters but to, or let the haters win but to really lean into it and give your whole self to it 
great things can happen. And it doesn't just happen again for you too, but it happens for the whole community. It happens for your family. It happens for all the people outside of our community who now have an opportunity to hear these stories and to live and, and feel our experiences, not live our experiences, but feel them um, in ways that they may not have ever attempted or thought about before. Yeah. And so I just wanted to thank you for that and to just just recognize you again because I realize going forward, it's going to be a lot more conversations. <laughs> it's going to be a lot more amplification of other people's voices. So I just wanted to take this time, this extra time, to just reiterate that that fact. Thanks, man. Um, you, you tell me nice things all the time, and it's I, it's, <laughs> I, I, I never tire of it. I, I, I know how much it means to you and to many other people that we, we started doing this work, and um, and the work's not done, you know, again, I mean, we, we joke, like, how the hell do you follow up having the vice president on your show? We follow up with other interesting stories because every story matters and resonates in a different way than hers. And, um, you know, but I, I'll, I'll leave everybody with this and it, it's as, as we approach election day, uh, one, please get out and vote. And, and two, think about running for something, right? Because I, I think. When you think about 19-year-old Kamala's mother coming here to study, and we often think about dreaming big and what is possible in this country for us, whether you're an adoptee, refugee, immigrant, whatever, could her mom have ever imagined that her daughter would be the vice president of this country? The answer is no. The answer is no, and maybe maybe it was yes, but no, Right? You know what I mean? Like that was not a reality for us. And so we don't know what's possible today, what could be possible in 30, 40 years when our kids grow up, when the world changes and we contribute to the change. We contribute to the change that will make it possible for the impossible to happen in 30, 40 years. I'm gushing over here the fact that I started this podcast less than three years ago and I got to have her on my podcast. And there she is being the actual freaking vice president of this country being a daughter of immigrants from Jamaica and and in India, and as challenging as things have been for us, that's what we can do here, and and that's what's capable. And so, it's it's one thing to celebrate people like her, and I think we actually honor them more by following in their footsteps and do, doing what they have and doing some more on top. And so that that's my thoughts as as we leave this just. Um, dare I say, historic uh, episode of The Aged Americans. Um, the little idea that I had that blossomed into this amazing thing that um, got to record with the freaking vice president. Um, and so, gah, got all the way to the end. Um, said I wouldn't get emotional. Um, but thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, please, if you care to, if you want to, if you can, Support our show. Share it across social media. Um, if you think that the world needs more of Asian American stories, if you think that your family and colleagues especially need to hear the vice president's words today, whether it is the podcast version or the YouTube version or the social media version, please do share it out. And I, I wish you all the health and happiness. And, and I mean that. And um, as, as we enter, um, you know, I don't know what the elections are going to be like next week. I don't know what flu season is going to be like, but um Certainly don't know what the economy is going to do, but um, wishing everybody health and happiness and safety as we as we continue to navigate challenging times in and out of our community. This has been the greatest honor of of uh, my life to be able to share our stories and 
thanks again to Vice President Kamala Harris for giving me the honor to share a little bit of yours. With that, uh, this has been producer Patrick Armstrong, and I am your host, creator of the show, Jerry Wan. Thanking you for joining us on this episode of Dear Asian Americans. Get loud, stay loud, go vote, and do not, under any circumstances, let the haters win.